Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Oh yes, we are rolling along on a Wednesday afternoon on OutKick 360. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. However you consume this show, we thank you as long as you're consuming it. A lot of things being consumed in the bar area right now here at 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. That's where we are every day. Downtown Nashville, alongside Jonathan Hutton, I'm Chad Withrow. We've got Vanderbilt head coach Clark Lee coming up uh, in about 15 minutes. He's going to join us in studio. We'll talk about their season, and we'll talk a little defensive football heading into the SEC championship game with Clark Lee. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. But right now, we're going to talk some NFL, Hutton, and we've done this every week where each week, we eliminate a team from playoff contention. Yep. I know you have one huge regret on your list. I have two small regrets on my list. So we'll, we'll start with your weekly elimination from the playoffs. Yeah, so um, I eliminated early on the Jets and the Commanders by week seven of this season, saying, you know what, I've, I've completely placed them to the side. They're not playoff contenders. They're done. And I eliminated the Commanders before I even eliminated the Lions, the, the Packers, Steelers. Um, yeah, that, that's going to come back to haunt me because Washington and New York, the Giants, face each other twice over the next three weeks. And ultimately, that will determine which team's getting in or out of the wild card weekend uh, based on those results. And the Giants still have uh, further matchups uh, with the, the Eagles twice, I believe. So... Uh, it's still a lot to play in that division. And I, for whatever reason, I went to the well way too soon, soon on Washington, despite their one and four start. Uh, I have waited on Jacksonville because I thought over the last three weeks, there was a chance we could see them heat up a bit. And I, I'm adding them to my list, even though we saw them just win a game. Because, Chad, they're, they're so inconsistent about getting points when it matters in the fourth quarter. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did it this past week. That's, that's coming to a halt, I think, over the course of December. And even if, by, th- by this point, even if they go on a mini run, they're still like Atlanta was last year at yeah. best, where they're the eighth or ninth seed outside looking in to a seven-seeded Chargers team probably, or uh, you know maybe... I'm trying to think of the other teams that would be right there that are still out but could get in. I think it's the Chargers right now that are not in that could be in. It's not going to be Jacksonville. And I'm also adding the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, again, another team coming off a win, but a team that is extremely inconsistent, that doesn't have a true identity, and a team, Chad, that can't get out of its own way and needs to figure out what they're about to do at head coach. They need to figure out if they're going to be in the Sean Payton sweepstakes. 
not if they're going to be a wild card team in the playoffs, they're done. And they, they, I should have had them on the list way sooner than now. Hutton, what did you think when Zach Wilson was benched in, in regards to your Jets pick from week two? Did you get start thinking, man, this is going to look better for me now? And then after Mike White's no. performance, I'm curious what your thought well, process I mean, was. Zach Wilson was 5-2 and two as a starter this year when he was yeah. benched. But you could tell in that last game, they were not going to hold on to the, the playoff footing with him not stepping up and making plays. Mike White spinning the football, man. Yeah. Threw it for 300 yards. Um, he gives his receivers a chance. Um, and for Robert Sala, with a great opportunity to be a wild card contender in the AFC East, to go ahead and say, Wilson's out, we're going with Mike White now, he's telling you they're not going to turn back to him anytime soon. Not until... Yeah. Not until it's a Lafleur. Not, not when you bench the number two overall. Not until pick. it's like a Lafleur Rogers situation where they're mathematically eliminated, and you turn things over to the quarterback that you want to get a look at. The guy they want to get a look at, Zach Wilson. But first, they need to determine if they're going to be in the playoffs or not. And Wilson's not going to get them there this year. So I'm eliminating a team that you still have in contention right now. Okay. I'm going straight NFC West uh, with my my two picks. Uh, Cardinals are in a bad way. They've got uh, assistant coaches. Uh, groping a woman in Mexico and getting fired. They've got Kyler Murray with his homework clause and his contract. They've got a lot of issues on that team right now. Cliff Kingsbury doesn't look like a guy, even though he got the contract extension, it's going to have a job too long after the season, you would think. So the Cardinals are done. And I know you still have the LA Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions. It's, it's time to call it. We're getting close to turning the page to December. It's a bad football team. Yeah, they're they're done. They have they have Aaron Donald's cratered. not playing this week either. So they have cratered um, after last season's Super Bowl. So I'm I'm getting rid of the Cardinals, the Chargers. As I look at my entire list right now, the one regret that I have is probably Washington. I think it's on your list also. I mean, I I, I still feel okay. I about think they're it, making the playoffs, but that Washington and the Giants in that division. To me, it's going to be one or the other that's going to be in the playoffs. I don't, yeah, I don't, well, I don't see both making yeah, it happen. Well, they're again, they're not they're, going to have all four teams that division go. You're right, and they're going to play each other three times over the next what seventeen days, whenever they kick off this Sunday, and and then the Giants still have two games against Philly. So I, I think Washington, um, they have a great opportunity to be like the seventh seed in the playoffs, and I, I mean, they started one and four. You know, they they are. They're, I think they're a better team than what Pittsburgh was last year as the seventh seed that got in. And that's saying something for an organization that's been through... I mean, there's no reason they should be where they are, playing as well as they are, with Taylor Heineke and Ron Rivera trying to you know, keep everything taped together as best as possible with ownership and then everything else behind the scenes going crazy. Their running back, who just bulldozed his way into the end zone this past weekend, was shot twice in August. I mean, it's insane. What yeah. they've done. They can't even get a statue right for Sean Taylor, but somehow they're going to be a playoff team. So we're getting down to the nitty-gritty on this elimination. I'm just looking at my board right now of teams that are still out there that I could possibly eliminate in the next couple of weeks, and the only one I really feel good about is Green Bay. Uh, in New Orleans, I, I'd put in that mix also. Yes. I've yet to eliminate. The but problem once you is get that through div- that, now, now we're getting down to, oh, you can't eliminate anyone because there's only seven teams left in each conference, the problem which we're going to run into. The so. NFC South, though, right now, the Panthers are a game out of first place. The Carolina Panthers yeah. are a game out of first place in that division. 
It feels um, like no no one's that, uh, dying to win that division right now, the way and, they're playing. With the divisional matchups, everyone meets uh, a divisional opponent in the final week of the season. Those two games will determine the division in Week 18. Brady will be playing for his playoff life. And the winner of that division is going to host a game over probably Dallas or, yeah, Dallas or Philly will be on the road in the NFC South wildcard weekend. It's going to be fun either way. And we'll continue to eliminate teams until there's no more teams to eliminate. And then we have no playoffs at all. Uh, Clark Lee, Vanderbilt head coach. He's, he's in studio with us. We're going to break a little early and go to him coming up. Um, Colin Warner, our radio producer, huge Notre Dame fan. Uh, loved Clark Lee and his time at Notre Dame, of course. That's right. Clark is now the head coach at Vanderbilt, and they had a really good season, ending a long SEC losing streak with what two a wins finish, man. late in the year. Uh, remarkable. Um, so, But Colin didn't care about that. He, still, <laughs> he said, I'm just going to be a homer today and wear my Notre Dame attire so, because Clark Lee's coming in studio. The, 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 it was a bold move by him. The, the process that, that Coach Lee walked us through last year, right? There, you're, you're starting at the bottom, and you're, you're building and stacking progress, and sometimes trying to take failure and shape it into progress, uh, which he told us about this, pre, this preseason. You don't have to do that now. You know, he's got yeah. the wins over Florida and, uh, and Kentucky to finish the year, and on top of that, we get to preview the SEC championship game through the eyes of Brian Kelly, who he knows very well, as LSU, despite the loss to A&M this past weekend, tries to add to the craziness of what could be a very chaotic championship weekend in the other conferences. Can LSU stun us one more time? Can they make this a four-quarter game against Georgia on Saturday? We'll, well get Clark's take on that. In, in, in regards to the program building part of it, I'll say something that Clark probably can't. He's starting from the bottom and from scratch in the SEC, not the Sun Belt. Exactly. So there's a big difference about where you're starting and yeah. your competition around you. So that, that makes the job uh, even trickier at times. So we'll talk to Clark about talk building a program at Vanderbilt. Uh, we'll talk a little SEC championship and game prep and preparing for an offense like Georgia that he saw this year with Vanderbilt. We'll talk about all these things. Clark Lee in our downtown Nashville studio at 6 and Peabody. When we return, this is Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. We're back, Outkick 360, downtown Nashville, 6th and Peabody Studios with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Alongside Jonathan Hutton, I'm Chad Withrow. Just talking to the break, we're getting ready to call some uh, TV games for the State of Tennessee uh, Championships, TWSAA Championships tomorrow. Um, some good private school action there. Our next guest played a little private school, high school football in the Nashville area at NBA, played at Vanderbilt, has done a lot in coaching, um, as we said with Colin Warner, great defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. And now the head man at his alma mater, Clark Lee, 
in studio with us right now. Coach, appreciate you making the trip over here uh, to join us. I know that it's never probably really a slow time for you as a head coach of an SEC program. No, well, first of all, I, this feels official over here. I yeah. feel like I've got a place in the 6th and Peabody studio. So I <laughs> uh, hope that's what this means. This indicates this little spot Anytime, you got, man. man. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, this is nonstop. And obviously, this time of year has gotten crazier because the world that we inhabit now, Transfer Portal and NIL and all the likes. And so um, this has been a good week to get with our roster. And, you know, I know that that's what programs are doing across the country. And, um, yeah, it's interesting, interesting times. You know, we were talking about uh, talk college football, obviously, every day on the show, but talking Vanderbilt specifically in the SEC. And we talked about the challenges of – keeping everyone, keeping people engaged when there's not a lot of great results to show. When you're in the midst of a long conference losing streak and that's happening, keeping everyone together, keeping purpose, staying the course, it, it's difficult at times. We talked about that challenge. Then you guys go to Lexington and win. And, and I'm watching your post-game interview, Coach, and I'm, I'm seeing that game, and you see the emotion that comes along with it, and I'm thinking, okay, now here's something to point to. If you're the coach or you're a coach or you're a part of that program, right? How, how big was that now in hindsight as you look back on everything that's transpired to go up there and get that first SEC win in such a long time that dates back before you were the coach yeah. at Vanderbilt? Well, it, it was special. And I think my emotions reflected, you know, the authenticity of the feeling I had after the game. That's a lot of work that's gone in and it's a lot of, um, stepping into belief every day and, and, you know, challenging young people to be resilient and to, you know, for me, that's what I, I'm, it's my job. And obviously I think I'm, I'm hardwired to accept and face a challenge. And I chose the job for that reason. I, I believe in the challenge, but um, I think anymore to get a team of people to do that week in, week out. Um, I got a lot of respect for our players and I told them that um, a ton of respect for them. And I, I think also, you know, beyond that game to, to double down on it the following week, um, you know, I think their resilience really is an inspiration to me. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a testament to what people who are bound together on a common mission can accomplish. And it's just a start, right? This isn't an arrival, but you look for these little signs of progress along the way because those become important sustenance for you on the climb that you're, you're actually on. And we've talked about the big picture climb. We've talked about where we want this program to be to get there, you have to have these little signs of incremental progress, and you know we certainly celebrate those from the season. How cool was it for you to accomplish those things with Mike Wright at quarterback, uh, given everything that had transpired, him sticking with it, yeah. a, a guy that you see now, I mean, everybody can go anywhere at any time. He didn't, he stayed, and he won two SEC games for you this year. How, how cool was that? I think it's a, you know, a, just a great representation of our program. Uh, you know, a guy that bets on himself, but believes in the in the process, believes in the program. You know, uh, it's human nature. And Mike was disappointed. Look, everyone would be. I mean, there's not. You know, I don't want to 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 paint him as as not being impacted by those shifts in the peaks and valleys. Is to not do it the actual adversity justice. I mean, that was hard, hard conversation on our end. You know, hard a conversation to be on the receiving end of, but. Um, he cares about what we're building and, you know, Coach Lynch, Joey Lynch, our, our coordinator and quarterbacks coach, has done a remarkable job building authentic relationships in that room and he just kept coaching them and Mike kept being coached and, you know, Mike, I think at first accepted a role 
as kind of the number two and, and a mentor to AJ. And then he owned the role. And I think every week he just went deeper in kind of helping AJ, um, you know, grow into his potential. And he was ready when his number was called. And I think it's a great lesson for everyone on our roster that, you know, no matter how the depth chart shakes out, you, you got to be prepared. Um, and when your number's called, you go out there and make things happen. He did that. And obviously when he was given the ball to start because AJ was out hurt, he maximized those opportunities and really proud of Mike. And I think it's a great representation, again, of, of the program we're building. Vanderbilt head coach Clark Lee in studio with us on Outkick 360. Uh, has Brian Kelly reached out to you this week? No, you know, I think uh, we, we he and I text uh, quite a bit just to stay in touch, but uh, not, nothing um, specific to this week. I I would be reaching out. I and mean, he's no idiot, so I'm sure he will, <laughs> uh, to talk to his former defensive coordinator about game planning for Georgia. How difficult is the Georgia offense to game plan for, given their versatility at tight end? They yeah. always run it well. And then they have a six-year quarterback in Stetson Bennett that is an X-factor, uh, despite not being recruited to be one. They're challenging. Um the tight ends make it particularly challenging. You got one who's a just a could also play receiver. You got another who's just a behemoth. You know, and and um, those guys have, both have the ability to make um, contested plays. They did against us. You know, I thought at times we had really good coverage on them. But Stetson Bennett makes a great throw. They make the catch. Um, they have the ability to turn routine plays into explosive plays. Um, the run game, I think, <clears throat> is what gets that offense going. And the other thing is Stetson Bennett's an athlete. I mean, he, he can create with his legs. You know, I remember in preparing for our game, watching him just knife the South Carolina defense in half for a touchdown. He can do that. And so, um, deceptive with that. He's deceptive. And, you know, he plays with such moxie because he's got the experience. He's got the confidence. And when he's on, you know, he's going to create problems. And that offense has a, an ability to, to just build on their performance. They, they're not afraid to punt the ball. They're not afraid to kick field goals. It's just, it's atypical of what you see now in college football. But what they know is they have a really good defense and that defense is going to generate possessions for them. And so they're going to get their opportunities to score. And you just, you see that team kind of overwhelm the opponent over four quarters. So I'm, I'm curious here, like take us through a game plan set up for them from your defensive mindset here. And what you think LSU may go, but like, uh, if uh, last year against the the Chiefs, you got to decide if you're going to try to take away Hill or Kelsey, yeah. and and once you get there, then you start to build your plan. Mm-hmm. What yeah. do you do first for Georgia? Yeah, well, I think to start, and I and maybe just to kind of kind of paint a picture of how I feel about that program. I think Kirby Smart's done a great job of building an identity into the program. You see this team play with um, three phases that are interlocked, um, and they don't, they don't allow the opponent to shift their approach. I mean, they're going to go out and play their game. Um, and I respect that a lot. I think that identity is what has allowed them to, to win games that are close, to win games when the things haven't gone perfectly for them. Um, in terms of defending them, obviously, you've got to be structured against a run and you have, to, um, you have to have a plan to take away the tight ends. I think that is the way the, the offense gets going, particularly with number 19. And to me... Um, that's both as a runner and a catcher. You got to understand how they're trying to get him the ball, and and again in your design, be prepared to to sh- to make them play left-handed to make them get the ball to another playmaker. It's not a big vertical shot team. 
you're going to get runs and you're going to run action pass. And so um, you can't be afraid to absorb some of the overs at times like that. As a coordinator, you get impatient because you don't want to give up a yard. And the truth is, you know, an over that goes, you know, for 20 yards, 30 yards, though painful, down it and and line up and play the next snap. Um, That's got to be the approach. They're going to be multiple in formation. They're going to be physical and you have to um, match their physical play at the line of scrimmage. Again, take away the run and get ready to defend the run action pass. That's going to be the formula. And when I think of Georgia, I think athletic, but I think physical also. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to have talent. It's another thing to build your program around physicality yeah. and being more physical than the opponent. Uh, I don't know if that's something you necessarily prepare for from a schematic standpoint, but do you agree with that assessment about Georgia and how they're built under Kirby Smart? Oh, yeah. You you better have your cleats in the ground or they will move you. And <laughs> um, that's on both sides. You know, I, I, one of the things that's interesting – So. To beat Georgia, you have to score points. And to score points, you have to have a plan to do that because you're not just going to line up and and um, throw the ball past them, right? So you start to look at some of the nuances in the game, turning the ball over. Uh, they, they've been a team um, since 2020 that that really the, t- the turnover margin in their, um, their giveaway rate in their losses has been at 21% per possession. So 21% of the possessions they've had a turnover. In their wins, it's 9%. So them protecting the ball allows for that offense to gain the momentum and to kind of build in performance. On the flip side, when they're taking the ball away, they're at 15% rate of takeaways per per possession. Um, In their wins, it's 8% in losses. So you're seeing like them doubling up on turnovers. When they double up, you know, when they when they win games, the rate of turnover is double. Um, when they lose games, the rate of giveaway is double. And I think creating the turnovers for LSU will be huge because, you know, that's a way to generate field position, generate possessions, and score points. And if you can score points, w- what's interesting is teams that have, since 2020, teams that have scored more than 24 points in the game, Georgia's 9-13 and 13 when that's happened. You start to see a team that, that resembles something that's normal right um but it's because the defense is so good what is your plan what is your path to to generating those points it's not going to be driving long fields and you know thinking that you're going to um just stay on schedule and win on third downs it's just not a formula against them clark lee our guest what what was the magic formula that brian kelly had to figure out and it took about a month and a half to do it to allow lsu to be in this Situation. Yeah. They are where A and M should be yeah. based on preseason expectation, right? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> if the surprise team wasn't going to be Bama, everyone in in Atlanta was picking A and M, and now it's it's LSU. In, in fairness, you know, like I I pay attention to one program in the in the season okay. that's Vanderbilt, and you know, then whoever we're playing against. <laughs> but I, but I'll say this because I think this is important. You know the man well. So. I know the man well, and I know the process well. Uh, you know, I. I took a lot from our time at Notre Dame. One of the things being there that you realize pretty quickly is every game you play is a big game. And it doesn't matter who you're playing against. I mean, because when teams come into your stadium, it's their Super Bowl. And they're, they're going to give you everything they have. So winning games is really challenging. Um, and then obviously you have your, your built-in rivalries. So you're going to play Stanford. You're going to play USC. So on and so forth. We played Michigan while I was there. Michigan State. These are games that are regional. Um, that carry, you know, a lot of weight. There's trophies involved. 
Um, and so, again, you have this approach there where you're not putting a special focus on any one opponent. You shift focus instead totally to you, to your process, your team, how you're growing and developing through the season. And um, I see that just in, in following the scores. I see that in how they've built at LSU. I think there's been a, an internal focus. They, they take a, a tough loss to open the season. A lot of scrutiny there. But, you know, that's just not going to impact Coach Kelly. And thereby, it's not going to impact the program because he's going to keep them insulated from that and he's going to keep the focus on their own development. I think we've seen that. And obviously, that positions them well here uh, to play in the, the championship game. I don't know how much you, you know, in watching all the film for every opponent that you're getting ready for this year, you're watching it, you're looking at your opponent, not necessarily the opponent uh, of the team you're about to play. But in regards to LSU, if you watched a game featuring LSU preparing for a different opponent, does the coaching mind in you, are you looking at it and saying to yourself, there's a recall there that, oh, I've done this because I coached with Brian Kelly. I've been in this spot before. I know when they're about to dial up a blitz. I know what the play call is going to be here. There are people going back to that two-point conversion play against Bama. And saying, mm-hmm. well, this is the same play ran against Florida State, yeah. you know, years before to win a game. So, does does your mind go there at all? Yeah, yeah. Well, particularly when when you see his face red and he's chewing that microphone <laughs> up, I, I know what that sounds like. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He, yeah, coach, coach was great to me, and and um, again, we developed a great relationship. His process and his fingerprints are all over the success they've had this season. Um, I, I, you know what a you know I, I did see the two point. Conversion, and I, and you know, I heard his response after the game, why to do it, and he just said it felt right. It felt like the right thing to go for the win there. I think that's that's um, you know, he's courageous, he's got toughness, he's got a vision for what he wants. I thought that was an awesome sequence and a cool a moment for him here early in his build, where he's you know he's uh, being true to himself and and making things happen. So, head coaching mindset, and we'll apply this with with your job at Vanderbilt and what you're trying to accomplish. You know, it's one thing to go into a game and say, we, we got, we're going to play with nothing to lose. We're going to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. We're going to be the aggressor yeah. in this game and then do it. Um, and it's another thing to make your program about that yeah. in every single game that you go out there. How do you balance that? When you're going into a game thinking, we may need to go for a few more fourth downs. Uh, you, you fake a punt against Tennessee. Yeah. You get the first down, the punter fumbles at the end of yeah, it. I know. That's unfortunate, obviously. But that's a risk, right? You're right. going into games saying, we may need to have a couple of these plays. Do you do that specific to games? Or do you apply that to your program and say, we're just going to play like this with little fear and we're going to try to make some things happen even if I ultimately get criticized yeah. by going for that fourth down? Well, it's, it's a blend because you want to have a, a, a team that has an attitude to take the fight to the opponent and I, there's a there's a mindset there that you're going to be freewheeling and you're going to take your chances i think any good competitor is going to take chances it's just what are those moments where the chance needs to be taken you referenced the fake pun i mean you know i thought that was a great moment for us to see some momentum and to generate some offense we needed to, to extend a drive and we did it and then we fumbled the ball but that was a part of a, the opening of the second half where there were three consecutive drives for Tennessee that started at midfield. And so the first one happened because we went for it on fourth and inches. They tackled us in the backfield. The second one was the fumbled fake punt. And the third was a punt return that got back to midfield. And in, in that sequence, our, our aggression really, really cost us a lot, cost us dearly because, 
you turn around that score pretty quick and you're, you're all of a sudden playing at a deficit that's going to be hard to overcome against a really good offense. Um, and yet, you know, for me in that moment, it's about what is, what is this, what is, what are we called to do to win the game? And we want to win the game. Um, and, and so I, again, I, I think I can't make a decision that I don't feel like supports the path to win. And there's no, you know, we can't step in and say, regardless of, you know, the circumstances, this is what we're doing. I think you're constantly recalibrating and adjusting. Um, and you have to live with when you take those risks, because any great competitor is going to do that. You got to live with the consequences of coming up short. And that's what happened to us in the Tennessee game. And again, I think it, it cost us um, dearly and it cost us a chance to be competitive late in that game. When deciding on playing time or, you know, who's playing in a game, something that's always interested me is, is, and we see this with guys leaving the transfer portal, well, maybe the coach should have played them a few more series than they wouldn't have left or this would have happened. Mm -hmm. But the idea of merit versus what's right in the moment or what could help your team win the most or help them out in a specific spot. And I'm watching the game Saturday and something jumped out to me at, at halftime. You're coming out of the locker room and interviewed by SEC Network and Cole Kubelik. And you, you said, well, Mike's earned the chance to get out of this, right? Mm -hmm. He's having a tough game. And at halftime, you said he's earned the opportunity. He's going to go back out there and play. Now, eventually you went to A.J. Swan yeah. and the struggles continued. But I just found that answer interesting. Can mm -hmm. you expound upon that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, a quarter. It's hard to play quarterback looking over your shoulder, and I, I, I've talked at length about this with just in various settings about, you know, I don't know that there's ever such a thing as a two quarterback system that works. You know, I think you have to design around the skills and the talents of the person playing, and then in that position, there's got to be some awareness that you're going to be able to play through mistakes. If 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 they're sitting there thinking their next mistake is going to be a seat on the bench, then they're going to they're going to overthink everything. They're not going to throw a pass with confidence. To play the position in this league, you better step into a pocket and be willing to try to fit a ball in tight windows. We don't want to take or steal the ability for someone to do that because they're thinking about the consequences of their of their actions. So, um, you know, Mike, we were 21 nothing at half. It, it had not gone the way we wanted to offensively. I actually felt like there were drives that extended for us that self-inflicted wounds had kind of um, stolen the momentum. There was... The, the snap that got past us, there was a TFL on a, on a jet sweep, um, credit to Tennessee that got us off schedule. We had had some penalties that showed up that uh, took momentum, um, the drive momentum away from us. And so in my mind, I still felt like there was a, a path for us to establish a run game, to get back to the formula that we had against Florida and Kentucky, um, and then to design some shots in there and to stretch them vertically. Um, and at three scores with us getting possession out of half, you know, we want to play through those. Now, what happened pretty quickly was it became four scores and then five. And, it, and at those points, you're, you're looking at a, our path back in this is to throw it. And then that was the, the point at which we made the change because um, AJ gives us the best chance to run the offense if that's going to be our personality. Clark Lee in studio with us. Uh, and having you in our backyard here, Coach, is, uh, is cool because – this is stuff we would bring up on the show yeah. that I, I feel like you'll give us. If you, even if you can't give us the full answer, it's an honest answer in, in some degree here. Transfer portal. Yeah. How easy or how difficult is it for you to figure out other programs contacting your guys? And, and how are you more concerned with that than you are trying to figure out other players in the portal currently? So you don't have, and I don't have to name, 
you no, can go I, to any get, program yeah, and find players that le- left last year. Um, but while you're building momentum, you also don't want to have to look over your shoulder yeah. to other programs in your own conference that are going to take your good players. And that would happen on any program across the country. That's right. Um, yeah, well, this is this is um, added complexity, right? No Roster doubt. management in college football now has taken on meaning that no one would have ever anticipated, or at least no one that I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like... Um, you know, you, there's two. There's two kind of. There's two um, passageways for communication. There's internal. There's external. And internally, um, I feel really, really good about um, our bonds as a program, our relationships. We have authenticity. We have people that care about each other and that I think really feel supported in their journey. Um, and so. <clears throat> When, when that when that is the focus, when you talk about how, you know how do you feel about your roster, how do you feel about your players, you know are they connected to what you're building? Absolutely. Then you have this these external channels, and that's where sometimes um, you know you can you can you know, seeds can be planted and sprout that that um, you know that that take someone off their course. Um, certainly, you know when when it comes to the portal, the portal's designed to. For, for guys to have the opportunity to seek a chance to play, you know, to seek an opportunity to have the career they want. And I think in that way, it's a great thing for college football. You know, the tampering and stuff that goes on. Um, and as I enter this, I, I know Mike's probably a little nervous where I go next. And it's not... The, 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 Don't worry about it, Mike. He's yeah, fine. Yeah. Just let him go. Do you trust me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, it, it, you navigate this well. And yeah. I, I appreciate the, the the attempt at honesty. Well, here we I, need we need to talk about it because yeah. I, I you know I feel like this is something that's not going to get better until we until we design the course through it. And right now, it's not okay. It's not in a good place. We we're we're doing a disservice to the to the young men that are that are in college playing football, pursuing degrees and pursuing NFL careers. We're not we're not supporting them the way that they need to be supported. And what what's being rewarded right now is this no holds barred kind of wild wild west approach. And um, that's not to level accusations. That's not to say. I mean, I, I you know I'm not going to go there. But what I'm going to say is that what we need to do is is kind of look back at the design and say how do we how do we do this better so that we can keep everything within the lines. And, um, and, and again, give the kids the best chance to have a healthy experience without, I mean, God, it's hard enough. You guys remember to be 18 to 22, all the things that you're dealing with. Sure. And, and these kids are on a path to, again, you know, the NFL to, to an education that's going to be life-changing for them. You know, when you introduce these, these external narratives and these external factors and, you know, you, you you just I think you're setting up an unhealthy kind of um, aspect of the journey that we got to address, and um, we will in time. It's going to change. I mean, this will look different a year from now. I believe that. I mean, it looks different now than it did a year ago. Um, it's all part of the evolution of the game. I think we got to we got to focus on this one aspect in particular and clean it up a little bit so that we can um, we you know so that we can have a healthy healthy game. And I, I, this isn't a Vanderbilt specific issue that I was, and you know that it's everywhere. It's, I mean, this it's is literally everywhere. every program. It can yeah. be at the, it can be between Ohio State and Michigan. You yeah, know, right. like 
So uh, I'm I'm always curious though about the, the the program builders, which you're right in the thick of it. Yeah, uh, trying to maintain, but also improve because you can also be enhanced by the portal. Yeah, you know, and yeah. you can get a huge boost there, um, especially like uh, is it. Um, is it easier or more difficult now for a quarterback to just be dropped into a program and win? Just, I think, depends on system. You know, the, the closer your system is to an NFL system, I think it's harder because there's more layers to it. Now, if there's carryover from the previous place, then, you like know. Like SC right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, then you have, you know, and then there, there are certain offensive systems that, you know, don't require much other than, you know, a decision and a, and a, and a throw. And I think those systems are maybe conducive to, to early success. Um, but what, you know, what we want to bank on is retention and, and with retention, you know, the one thing about, you can have novice flow. I mean, look, if you watched me play golf and I probably haven't played golf in, you know, I don't know, five or six years, honestly, but I would go out right now and hit some good shots and feel good about my game. And I wouldn't be exposed until my second round. And then all of a sudden I'd be at 120 and, you know, be calling it a day. And so you got this, this novice flow where, um, you know, you can be early in something and just feeling good and hitting the marks. What we want to do at Vanderbilt and retaining is, is built to an expert flow. And that's where you're actually slowing the game down because you have an awareness and an understanding of what you're trying to get done. That takes collaboration between player and coach. That takes chemistry between player and player. And, when you watch like the best NFL offenses, that's really what you see is is this this development and this maturation within a system where they're anticipating and they're able to weaponize their checks and uh, know where the ball's going before the ball's snapped. You know, to me that that is um, it's a great brand of football to watch. You know, that's a little bit more of what we're trying to capture. And to do that, you know, player retention becomes our focus. So when it comes to transfer portal, you know, my my interest is is focused really on the experience of our players. And what does that mean? Do they have a sense of belonging? They're going to be challenged. And, you know, they want to be challenged, but are they supported through the challenge, right? Are there authentic relationships with coaches? Um, you know, how, how connected do they feel to the people around them? Do, do they feel like there's a higher purpose or a greater purpose that's bringing them in the building? And I know these things aren't like you don't hear a lot of talk about this, but to me that those are things as humans that have always mattered. They've always mattered. And we, we circumvent those right now because it's, it's easier to think, Oh, you know, if we lose him, we'll go get another, but I don't, I don't live that way. That's just not what I believe in. And I don't believe that that's going to unlock the potential of our program. And so that's where we focus first. And, you know, we'll, we'll come out of the, the, this next little sequence and determine, Hey, where do we need to supplement? Where do we need to bolster? And then, when we do that, when we go into the portal, it's about finding guys that fit who we are too, because this is still a big picture build. It's still something that's going to grow over time. And we want to be in a hurry, um, but we don't want to make a mistake that compromises that long-term Yeah, that, that was going to be my question. Do you even have time in today's world of recruiting and transfer portal to do the research and be thoughtful about it the way you are in terms of retention on your own roster to where you can do your due diligence on a guy or is it simply, hey, really good player could help us as a player hits the portal? You got to act immediately yeah. because you know countless other programs are acting in the same moment. Well, you you, you got to make a choice. Either you're going to choose to to leave it to chance, or you're gonna you're gonna take the time to have a visit and see if there's chemistry. For me, 
especially again with what we're doing and and you know we had progress this year we had progress visible progress that you know we celebrate but we're we haven't arrived we got a long way to go and i i don't you know what i want the program when you watch these guys play i want you to see a team playing together and playing hard playing in structure i want you to see a team that cares about what they're a part of um the minute you go out and you introduce someone into that ecosystem we talk about our program as an ecosystem or a living and breathing organism that as soon as you introduce something that, that disrupts that flow, disrupts the environment, you're putting at jeopardy all the progress that you've made. And so we're, we're going to be deliberate in this. And over time, what will happen is, is, is people see the progress, see the result. It's also the word gets out on the experience these kids are having and how connected they are. Um, you know, you, you end up building something that people want to be a part of and, that's that's the goal and it takes time you know we we weren't a real attractive destination a year ago because you know we had a, a poor season and we were we were early in the throes of building a program we'll be more attractive this season because team players will see that point of progress and they'll say you know i want to go in there and be the difference now we have to be delivered on and to say hey this is a character fit this is going to fit our environment this is going to allow us to reach another level Thanks so much for coming in studio and doing this. This has been awesome. terrific. Yeah, thank good you. to be with you guys. I appreciate you've got again, your permanent the wor- workstation here is perfect. Five Absolutely. seconds. Five yeah. seconds. Do you think we see chaos championship weekend in the Big Five, or do you think it's chalk? Has to be chaos. I mean, there's no other way to do it, right? It's college football. That means right. the name of the game, right? <laughs> right? Every weekend, there's something. Unfortunately, that means Bama and Ohio State will be in the playoffs. There's, some, there's, there's going to be a chaos agent. It's all yeah. about trying to predict which one it will hey, be. Can, right? I, can I give one more, one more thing in the yeah. game that I thought was interesting? Uh, for LSU first down efficiency so actually converting first downs on first down teams ob- uh, come into play Georgia a lot of times think hey it's about staying on schedule but the truth is Georgia's a really good third down team be interesting to see how they perform on first down can they create explosives one thing quick in in the uh, in the championship game uh, last year in the SC championship the Alabama won they were 20 percent conversion on first down in the national championship game, they were eight percent. Wow! So you see, converting the a first down on, on their first, first down. down. Yeah, these are the. This is the depth of detail that we look That's at. That's great. Maybe maybe it turns out. It's like the equivalent of a fastball hitter on the first pitch. That's right. Every time, you know, he's swinging for the fences, going for it. That that is the level of detail that we asked <laughs> Clark Lee to come in for. And now I'm going right. to be watching that in this game if LSU is going to have a chance. Coach, thank you so much for coming. In. Guys, really my pleasure, it. guys. Yep. Um, One of the best. Yeah, cool. a terrific conversation. We've got some prize picks when we come back. We're going to explain, and we're going to give you some winners. That's coming up next. This is Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We're back on Outkick 360. Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow with you. Talking to you about prize picks. You've seen it during some of our breaks. If you're watching the show, something really cool. It's a unique take on daily fantasy. And in fantasy, you compete against others. This is a little different. Instead of doing that, you're predicting whether individual players will go over or under their projection on a specific stat. Example, 
would be Joe Burrow passing yards. If it's set at 275, could you go over or under? You select between two and five players. You can mix and match sports games, NFL, NBA, NHL, World Cup, whatever you want to do. And if you hit it, then you're going to hit a parlay, basically. Really simple. Through different, it's, it's kind of a fantasy over element under. More of projections. More, more or less. It's that simple. Uh, and you can use the promo code right now. If you go to Prize Picks, they're going to match your first deposit up to $100 by using the promo code OUTKICK360. Hutton, you've got a winner for us. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, right now, teams are really trying to establish the run across the league. Two teams do it well, but haven't done it well recently. Cordero Patterson and the Atlanta Falcons hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers this week in a division that's wide open. This is a must win for Arthur Smith, who's going to turn around and hand it to the wide receiver turn running back. And Cordero Patterson, I'm going more than 48 and a half rushing yards. Derrick Henry on Sunday. Part of my prize picks parlay here. Derrick Henry on Sunday, over 85 and a half rushing yards against the Eagles. Why? Because in order to be in the game, he's got to be the bell cow that he hasn't been the last couple of weeks. Patterson, Henry, more than their projected totals. Prize picks, download the app. It's very easy. And again, you can use the promo code OUTKICK360. All together, OUTKICK360. They're going to match a deposit up to $100 with that. We're all about more on this show. That's right. I went with a pick that also was more Good. three times over. Dalvin Cook, more than 72 and yes. a half yards. Derrick Henry, more than 85 and a half yards. Christian McCaffrey, more than 47 and a half rushing yards. Hutton and I, we're all about the more. We're all about prize picks. I'll probably bet more and not less on every single pick. <laughs> We've got more for you. That's right. Coming up, big 4 o'clock hour, including our fearless leader, Clay Travis, will join us in about 25 minutes. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.